Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, I'm Nick. Hello, I'm Ed. And this week we're going to talk about user acceptance testing, or or known as UATs. Um, I know from the IT standpoint, a UAT is the point in time of an application development lifecycle that I bring the users into a room or I send the users the application and I say, here, do me a favor, test this, tell me what your experiences are, let me know if you have any faults, errors, anything of the imagination, and you know, report back and tell me what it is. Most of the time, that test, if it's done in a room, is very structured. Every user has a copy of the test plan, the test steps, and you follow it from point A to Z, testing every single requirement in between. So that goes back to requirements gathering. That even even doing a UAT, your requirements that you've gathered before are still very prevalent. And, you know, when you start talking about, you know, why that the prevalency is there, it's because, you know, the applications that we build are for users. The users have to use them in the end, in the end of the game or we're just wasting our time, money, and efforts. And the other thing is, it's like, also, that, when you start building an application doing UAT, if every user is not using the same hardware, so you got somebody using a Lenovo, somebody using an HP, somebody using a Dell, that means that takes your software and tests it on all the different hardware variants that you have inside your office space and makes the software hardware agnostic, um, meaning that you're doing all of your testing based off of the user experience and not the hardware-specific interface. So, you know, when you start thinking about that, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll think about this. How does a UAT test work, or UAT, um, work in the OT environment when you're talking about, you know, user acceptance type of stuff? So from a uh, OT environment, what we're talking about in most cases where we say a human is interfacing with some type of technology that involves a uh, production uh, process, you will be dealing with things like an HMI. And with an HMI where a UAT test would, or UAT would come into play or how it could be leveraged, we would use that when we said, hey, I have this design, I've made this, uh, this GUI or this visualization and the person goes to the visualization and he clicks on something on this visualization and when it opens, uh, it doesn't directly open to say the thing that he was looking for. He has to go through a thousand tabs. So what happens is, is a person loses interest really mm-hmm. quick if they have yeah. to do too many steps. Right, exactly. So these are things that you would want to know when you're developing an HMI or some type of visualization where a human has to interface or do something. Also, you you want the human to not think. Right. An, an HMI is not for the guy to go figure out Sudoku. 
what's the next number? Right, like, exactly. I should be going there or the person should be going there and saying, hey, I clicked this point. It expanded this point. I got the data I need. Okay. Or I have an alarming system. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of, one of my pet peeves with alarming systems is you have an indication that there's something wrong. You click on the box. Why should a human have to click on the box? If it's something wrong, the tab should automatically open and be there where the person can see the information in real time. Correct. Tell me what's, tell me what's wrong with you. Tell know? me what's wrong with you. Why do I have to go dig through you through a hundred tabs or expand you? Why doesn't Why doesn't it expand the tree automatically? Right. These are things I think you could use with UAT. Yeah, like if the alarm is activated, open up tab. Right. You know, something simple like that. You know, but all, you know, if you think about it, you know, some of our listeners may be, you know, web developers for a consumer, you know, organization, right? So then you can go and do your consumer testing. You know, if you really want to start diving into, you know, how do I leverage my users? Your users may not be office personnel. You may not be personnel that works on the shop floor. You know, you may be, you know, consumer Joe that, you know, orders off of XYZ.com, you know. You never know. You never know where it's coming from. You know, you, you could be, you know, some of our listeners who are, who are global reach, you know, individuals and, you know, like what I've seen in some of our stuff, you know, France and some other places, you know, those individuals, you know, if they're dealing with somebody who's in the U.S. or something like that, and that's where you start li- re- dealing with uh, translation issues. You know, something's written for a native language. The translation may be wrong. Um so that's kind of when you can go to your users and say, hey, guess what? I understand you're a consumer. If you're a consumer, can you please do me a favor and do some testing for me? Let me know what you think. And let's provide you, let's say, a discount or something like that based on your experience. Tell me what's wrong with it. You can use that to build upon another sprint planning if you're looking at the Scrum environment. You know, I, I could be, you know, thinking outside the box, too far outside the box. But, you know, especially when we start talking about, you know, translation things, you know, working within a you know german organization you know we kind of see when things are completely wrong you know in the um uh translation world and then you know you know multilingual you know environment you start noticing okay cool that's wrong so you report back saying hey, guess what you, you messed this one up and you know let me you know tell you how to update it you know that for me is a consumer level you know, testing where it's not mm. technically a user. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's pretty interesting, Nick, because most uh, people that speak multiple languages, they know grammar, they don't know jargon. Right, exactly. And, and to understand jargon, you have to talk with somebody from that particular region right. to understand the difference between tomatoes and tomatoes. But yeah. uh, let's go a little further, and let me just build upon what you said in the beginning when we were talking about um, having people do testing. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give an example uh, using the model for UAT. So when we start talking uh, analytics of requirements, yeah, what that means from an OT perspective, there is a problem that exists. An engineer uh, investigates this problem and say, hey, I got an idea. I think this will resolve the issue. Okay, then the uh, engineer has to create a plan. So you have a plan that you have to create. So this plan will basically uh, explain the framework. Why? Yeah, like change request. 
Okay, then we would identify different scenarios that we say, hey, if we test this and this, I'm pretty sure that this will fix it. So before I say 100% that this is what we're going to need, I'm going to do a few tests. I'm going to do some simulations. I'm going to yeah. open up a virtual machine and do a few things and see if it actually yeah. does what throw I... The, throw in the test plan and go from there. Then I want to go to the creation of the test case. Mm -hmm. We want to make the UAT test case. So then I want to say, hey, I don't want to just give this to uh, a technician and says it, say it works. Right. I want the technician's input. So I'm going to make a questionnaire and have the, the technician look over the questionnaire and see if there's anything that's out of place. Or mm -hmm. I'm going to sit down and explain or whiteboard this and explain to the technician, this is what I'm trying to do. Do you see anything that I'm missing? Right. Is it anything that I can do to make it better? Is it anything that I can do to make your job easier? That's that's the next step. Exactly. Then we want to go into our test data preparation. Well, we're making it more official. We got the input. We're putting it in place. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what it is. This is our plan. Here's our action plan. Okay. Next, we got an action plan. Let's run it. Let's put it in production. Let's see what's happening. Like, wrong, yeah. like the dynamite. Let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Then once we've done that, and we know that we have found most of the uh, our functionality works like we want to. We have not identified any bugs. We have not come across any issues. We have not affected the process. We've fixed the problem. We've we've recovered some tack time. Mm -hmm. We've reduced some downtime. We have made uh, some. We've added value to the company. Yeah. Now we want to confirm our business objective and present it to management. And say, bam. That would be UAT in an, an OT environment. You know, and the thing is, is, you know, in the IT environment, that would work the same way, you know, or work in a version thereof. You know, everything requires a test plan. Everything. You know, how am I going to accomplish this? Who are my actors? And, who, you know, how does that go? However, this is kind of where I'm going to play the, you know, the, the, the fun devil's advocate. Most people don't understand that you're always doing a UAT. Always, you know, and the thing is, and, and, and I, and I say that because you ever bought a, you bought a new laptop, you know, in right. recent years, you know, what's the first thing you do with that? Well, when you first open it, you, uh, either it requests you to set up some account. Right. And then once you set up the account, you start playing around with it to right. see what it can do. Exactly. That's what you just did. Yeah. You did a UAT on a yeah. laptop you never knew you had. Right. Because the thing is, is what you're going to do with it, you're going to mess with it up until the point that the that your return time expires. Mm -hmm. You're going to find out by opening that laptop up and or desktop up and playing with the games and playing with Microsoft Word and all the other you mm -hmm. know stuff that people put on laptops these days. You're going to play with that up until the time that you can no longer return that, that device back to the store that you bought it from so you did a uat the entire time and you know and how most people know it's the email that you send after the after the return time to microsoft that says hey guess what this is messed up you know and it's you're always doing a uat right you know and most people don't understand that and now that's kind of what we want to get out there is you know don't think that uat is just for an office environment no it's for everybody you know, you can ask your customers to do it. You can, you yourself can do it, you're, you know, if you really want to on somebody else's gear. Never UAT test your own code. Mm -hmm. For the love of God, don't do that. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, the thing is, is play with it long enough that you miss the return deadline, then you write the email at the end. You know, if you think about it, that's how Microsoft on 95% of their bugs. You know, it's like I use Linux, for instance. So, you know, if something crashes, this is, hey, do you want to send a bug report? Okay. Guess what? For the past year, I've been doing a UAT test. Didn't even know it. Long term. Right. Well, I, I will say this is, to me, the most important lesson I learned over my career uh, in industrial control systems. Um, you have to involve the user because you will miss things that they will find. Oh, yeah. Because the... Um, the person that's the expert on a machine is the operator. Right. The operator is there eight hours or ten hours a day, five to six days a week, throughout the whole year. Right. He is seeing things, or they are seeing things that we cannot see. However, there is a solution. Industry 4.0, and we'll keep saying it till you get tired of hearing it. We're going yep. to keep preaching Industry 4.0. When you leverage Industry 4.0 and you leverage MQTT, Industrial Internet of Things, and you start using uh, unified namespaces where you populate to there and you only pull the data that you need. It's not a polling system. It's, is that value there? Mm -hmm. if, that's value's there if that value is there, go check. Right. If that value is there, so read, write, read, write, read, write. Yeah. It's, it's access of data. With access of data and understanding from the user in the beginning and over the life cycle of that product. Yeah. And over the life cycle of that product, which is important. Mm -hmm. We don't just deploy and leave. We deploy and develop for the next cycle. Yeah. Or, de or deploy and learn. So Yes, learn. So you want to leverage machine learning. And the, re the reason you want to leverage machine learning, I'm not trying to take a machine and replace a human. I am trying to take a machine and allow a human to use those things are in, that are intrinsically human. I would much rather a human do uh, mundane things. Excuse me, I would much rather a machine do mundane things and have a human actually go and say, oh, you know what? I didn't think about that before. But now we can do this. Mm -hmm. Then the human can input that back to the person or the group. Hey, we can make an algorithm. Yeah, exactly. Hey, this algorithm can be, you know, leveraged over, you know, uh, software as a system. Yep. Hey, we can reduce this and cut, save costs. Now it's more money for development. More money for development means innovation. Right. And if you change a GUI on anything... You know, you should have a UAT. If you develop a new system, you know, out of the box, or even just an assisted system based off of the, or based off of the system that you already have, do a UAT. You know, it's not just made for, say, version 1.0 of your deployment. It's, you know, version everything. You know, you should always do a UAT, uh, you know, from version 1 to version 10 to the end of your, you know, software lifecycle. Um... You know, you should also, the thing is, is UATs are also a great place to gather more requirements. Because you may think you have it right now, but, you know, there's a good, 
about 50% that you don't. Um, because as you do this UAT test, you're pulling in requirements that, oh, you, you, you should have done this. You should have done that. You should have done this. But, you know, if you are in a agile environment using the Scrum methodology, as you would deploy that one, that release, they would test it, tell you what you need to change. The next iteration of that release, your next sprint, you're adding those requirements back into your additional sprints and off you go to, you know, improve your product over time, meaning now you have more and more UATs. However, those UATs are more and more meaningful as your requirements increase. However, this tells me this is if you're going to collect requirements from UATs, add them to your requirements traceability matrix. Add them to your document where you can record those and tie them back to a functionality in the system. So when you do local testing, you know, prior to release, um, do, so when you do integration testing and stuff like that, you can test those requirements to make sure they're met before you send it to the UAT and the UAT finds the same problems again. Because there's nothing more aggravating than in a UAT finding the same bug over and over and over again and realize requirements aren't met. So, you know, I don't know if that's the same issue and that you guys have and have the OT environment where, you know, you possibly go to a, to a vendor and say, hey, fix this, fix that, and just some things just don't happen. Or you kind of just find the same one where it's just, you know, a hidden bug. So the uh, big thing that I've seen over my 25 plus years in uh, industrial control systems is that we are about the same as the infrastructure of the country. Yeah. So the infrastructure of the country is about 40 years of technologies that's running that shouldn't be running. Well, most uh, infrastructures inside of a uh, industrial control system that hasn't been um, commissioned pre-2020 uh, normally those systems exist for 15 years. You know, normally like a body shop is about seven years. A, a paint department is probably 15. Uh, assembly is a little bit different. Um, but, but normally the lifespan of a, say, a automotive manufacturer is going to be 25, 30, maybe more than that. Yeah. You know, so, um, if there is something that you didn't, um, use this uh, concept, you know, if you use the waterfall method yeah. and, and we're not agile, you know, it's hard to change things in the uh, in the industrial control systems in the OT and operational technology. It's, it's hard. So that's why you have to do your due diligence mm -hmm. and, and uh, you have to insist on having these um, measures in place yeah, because it, it will save the company money in the long run. Yeah. And the thing is, if you think about it, you know, you talk about waterfall versus agile versus, you know, you know, increasing change and stuff like that. The manufacturing world is a notorious waterfall mentality. You know, if you think about it, it's always going to be waterfall. Always. I've been doing this for, you know, 60 plus years. I'm going to use the same technology you 60 years ago. Yeah, we know. You know, because it don't work no more. You know, you know, kind of, kind of improve this. 
you know, but you know, it also goes back to the suppliers. You know, it's like if you know your if you know your stuff's broken, you know you have bugs. Don't turn them into features. Because the definition of a feature or a hidden feature is a bug that's been left alone long enough inside the software that it becomes an impediment to somebody doing their job, but now they find a way around it. It's considered a feature. So, you know, use the UAT fashion when you're installing new cells, lines, and areas to get rid of some of those um, unwanted features. You know, document your unwanted features and make sure they don't actually, you know, answer the mail on some of your requirements. Because I, I couldn't tell you the amount of time, you know, in, in my career in, in IT that I have been involved in the UAT and have had to report the same fault on the same piece of gear every time that it became a feature. Eventually, I wrote a requirement for it. The thing's so broken that it requires a feature to be written for it. So fix it. Get rid of it. Don't don't keep playing with it. So you know, I that that's just you know my rant on, you know, stop living in the stone age and you know move from waterfall to agile, you know, and start you know realizing that we need UAT you know on this gear that we have in the OT world, and that we need um, UATs on the manufacturing systems to better those systems now so we're not waiting on it later. Yeah, and I, I, I think that that responsibility lies on the shoulder of the, the engineers. Right. Uh, why I say that is, is a manager um, relies on his uh, technical experts. Right. So if the technical expert cannot um, confidently, you know, express... <laughs> what's going on, then why should I spend uh, X amount of dollars? Yeah. So you're right, Nick. We we should do a better job. It's, it's on us to do a better job to communicate and express the importance of UAT. Yeah. And in, in any time that we're not just software, hardware. Right, exactly. That's, that, that the software is running on. Yeah, make it agnostic. Yeah, we should be, we should be uh, pushing these topics. Yeah. You know, and, and that's something, you know, that we, we need to get to is, you know, UATs and hardware agnostic testing and stuff like that. Where we realize that, you know, everything is not built for the same equipment. We know that. We know how it works. Not Everything's not made for the same process. Um, you know, that goes for IT stuff, too. You know, not, not everything that we build will answer the mail for every single process that we have set forth. We know that. And we are very well aware of that. But that's also where the UAT and Agile comes up in, in, in path because, you know, test this. Tell me where I'm at. Tell me if I'm missing anything so I can roll it back to my requirements so we can, we can attack it on another sprint. And, you know, for us, that helps out the IT world in so many occasions. And, you know, if the people who are, you know, who are tuning in, you know, if, if, if you know, you haven't gone to that Agile approach yet, you know, go ahead and try it. You know, hit the the um uh the uat world and build on your requirements it's a great way it's a gateway to the requirements gathering in a way that you didn't think you'd ever have it if you think about it so you know that that kind of you know ends my spiel you know i'll turn it over to ed for our uh our, our parting shots here and uh you know kind of see what he thinks but you know from me you know i just want to say thank you you know i've looked at the the, the viewership lately 
And I noticed that we're being listened to across the world. And, you know, I highly appreciate that. You know, I never thought that, you know, us just sitting here, you know, running our mouths about stuff that we love and we enjoy would, you know, make it that far, you know, or at least make it past the area that we're in, you know, and, and we, we thank you, you know, a heartfelt thank you to everybody. You know, it means more than, you know, um, and, you know, hopefully you guys keep listening and hopefully y'all keep, uh, you know, subscribe and, you know, you know, stay with us. You know, we want to, we want to make, make this thing go far and help everybody out. So, but at that, you know, I'm going to turn it over to Ed for our parting shots and, you know, kind of give the, the, the charge for the week. Go ahead, Ed. So uh, what I would like to leave you with, uh, guys, is simply this. Um, if you are a uh, IT um, developer and you're creating these, uh, say you're creating a SharePoint that, you, that, was, that was requested by OT, the industrial control system side, you should uh, ask questions first. But before a developer sit down and write one line of code, he should find out the scope. What what are you what do you need? Does this already exist? Why do we need this feature? And it's not that you're questioning, you're making you're asking questions. Mm-hmm. You need data. Data so you can make uh ask the right questions and get the right answer so that you give uh the customer or you know your you know the stakeholder what he wants. And it's it's it, then you get feedback on how you can make it better. So I would also like to say that I appreciate uh, everything that you guys are doing for us. I appreciate everybody that subscribed. I appreciate anybody that has uh, commented. Uh, uh, and I, I would just like to say from myself and Nick, um, we're. we're we've got some other things coming and we're working on other things to make the channel better. Um, we would love to get input from you guys. I mean, uh, tell us, is it any, any topic you're interested in? Uh-huh. Yeah. Is it something we haven't touched on that you would like us to cover? Is it a topic you want us to rehash? Uh, let us know. Yeah. And then, you know, on that, you can go ahead and email us at, you know, podcast at com, and we'll be more than happy to see that. You know, it's uh, Volcanara Technology Solutions on, you know, um, on most uh, social medias and also Tech at Lunch podcast on, on Instagram. So, you know, find us, you know, send us something, you know, let us know you're thinking about it. You know, comment on some of the, 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 the podcasts that you like and let us know that you're there. You know, but, you know, we highly appreciate it, you know, and, uh, you know, for me, you know, that'll that'll do it for, for tonight, you know, and, uh, you know, I highly appreciate it. You know, it's seeing this thing expand more and more and more, you know, globally and, you know, different countries of the world that hopefully one day, I don't know, maybe we get to get visit and, you know, sit down with some of y'all and, you know, and kind of see about your tech journey. You know, hopefully we can make that happen. You know, that's definitely the goal in the, in the long run. But, uh, you know, for me, I say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say thank you. And, uh, thank you guys for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learn something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did, please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at volcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.